Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are focusing on the 23rd parak of Sefer Shmuel, which is absolutely action-packed. Last parak, we learned that Shaul slaughtered the people of Nov, the ear, the city of Kohanim. And in this parak, we, we, the events really live in the shadows of that a terrible incident, as we will see. The parak opens with David learning that the people of Ke'ilah are being raided by the Plishtim. It's a city, and it's a border city with the Plishtim, and David, the remarkable, kind of outstanding individual that he is, and the leader that he is, he wants to help. He wants to intervene. And we see here that David, even though he's not king by most metrics, he's been anointed, but he doesn't have any sort of power, he doesn't have the throne, but nonetheless, he has this sense of responsibility that we would hope a king would feel, and he wants to help the, the people of Keilah. Because, interestingly, because Shaul slaughtered the Kohanim of Nov, destroyed the city of Nov, David has now taken into his care Achimelech's only surviving son, Eviatar, who brought with him the Urim Vitumim. He brought with him the Urim Vitumim, which, which gives David this great tool, because now he can ask Hashem uh, whether he ought to do something or ought not to do something. He, can, he has this direct line to Hashem. And the fact that David has this tool is really a matter of great irony, because Shaul killed the people of Nov primarily because of this fiction that Achimelech gave David access to the Urim Vitumim, that he enabled David to beseech Hashem, to speak to Hashem, uh, and to consult with Hashem in this way, a tool that's reserved for a king. And so David, excuse me, so Shaul kills the people of Nov. That drives Eviatar into the hands of David, which in turn gives David the capacity to now uh, beseech Hashem through the Urim Vitumim. Because as I said, Eviatar brings him the, the Urim Vitumim. So the whole turn of events is, is this very ironic, uh, very ironic development in the narrative. Now David has this great tool, and he asks Hashem, should he go and intervene on behalf of the people of Keilah? And Hashem says he should go. Not surprisingly, though, David's men are not too thrilled about this plan. After all, this is the most audacious plan a person could dream up. Here we have this small band of political exiles, criminals, outcasts, all people with prices on their heads. All they want to do is keep a low profile. All they want to do is, is stay out of sight. And now they're going to take up this vigilante justice. They're going to go and protect the people of this town. Whose job was that? That was Shaul's job. That was Shaul's responsibility as the king. And now David, as this outcast, is meant to go with all these people who themselves are outcasts. They're going to go and protect the town. It's so outlandish. Uh, it's, it's so remarkable to think that, that they would do this. And so not surprisingly, the men push back. On, uh, on David's request, but David then once again consults with Hashem. He learns from Hashem that this is going to be a successful effort, not just that he should do this, but that it's going to be successful. And David charges forward and his men, to their credit, and to David's credit, uh, charge behind. They, they follow David and uh, they do this rather strange, albeit very altruistic mission. David and the men succeed, not surprisingly, and they protect the town, and now Shaul springs into action. When the Plishtim were raiding the border city, Shaul couldn't really be bothered. But now that he has a chance to catch David, so now Shaul gathers up his troops, mobilizes the armies, the forces against this city. David learns now that Shaul is on his way, and he consults once again with the Urim Vitumim, and he wants to know that this back and forth between David and the Urim Vitumim is, is complicated. It could be read a few different ways, but here's, here's my account of it. David wants to know two things. Firstly, is Shaul on his way to destroy the city because of me? And number two, if I stay, will the people of the city give me up or will they take my side? What's in David's mind right now? What's driving David? What, what do you think he's thinking about? He's thinking about Nov. He, he's afraid 
that he uh, he has given these people a short-term benefit of pr- protecting them against the Plishtim, but what's going to happen? Shaul's now going to come, and he's going to destroy this whole city because of their association with David, which will have, of course, greatly undermined any success, any benefit that David has provided this city. And so David wants to know, is Shaul going to destroy the city? He wants to know, will, this, will the city protect him? Because if the city is going to protect him, then maybe David should stay and try to defend the city against Shaul. But if the people are just going to give David up to Shaul, then there's nothing he can do. He can't stay and protect them against Shaul. They're, they don't want the protection. They're not going to be loyal to David. Hashem informs David that the people are going to hand him over. And so David and his men, they disband and they, uh, they, they go off into the wilderness. Now they're 600 men. You'll recall a parak ago they were 400. Now they're 600. So we see that David is gaining in popularity. His, his band, his underground uh, group of men are uh, now 600, uh, 50% growth. And uh, they flee and they escape Shaul. And as the reader, we now fear the worst, right? What are we, what are we afraid of? As we, we learn that David has abandoned this city, we're afraid that, Sha- that Shaul is now going to come and kill all the people of Keilah. Fortunately, uh, we breathe a sigh of relief because Shaul then loses interest. He doesn't continue to pursue uh, the people of Keilah. He just, once David leaves, he moves on. So it's the end of that kind of chapter. We then learn that David and his men, chapter theoretically, or, you know, so to speak, we're still in Perak Chaf Gimel, we're still in chapter 23. So David then goes and he finds cover in Midbar Zif, the wilderness of Zif. And here we get another encounter uh, between Yonatan, Shaul's son, and David. Yonatan uh, comes and he once again uh, professes his love and his commitment, his loyalty to David. He says that David will be king, uh, that Yonatan hopes that he will be his, his advisor, his number two. And he says that even Shaul knows that, that this is the inevitable uh, outcome, that, that David is, is right and that David is righteous and that David will ultimately rule. Yonatan then makes a bris, another covenant with David, and then unfortunately, Yonatan ends this really special, touching moment by, by, doing, you know, by making the fatal mistake of going home. We're told that he heads back uh, to, uh, to the palace, he heads back to his father, and uh, does not stay with David. And of course, we can't blame him that uh, you know, he ultimately, I wouldn't say he's hedging here, but... Ultimately, his, his, his basic loyalties lie with his father, so he goes back to, to his father's home, but ultimately that's a choice that will cost him his life. And so it's a tragic, uh, we have this vision that, that, that Yonatan will, will someday serve as, as David's uh, number two, his right-hand man, uh, but that is uh, ultimately not, not going to be. We then learn that some of the local population of Ziph where David and his men are hiding, turn their backs on David, and they inform Shaul of David's whereabouts. Shaul is very grateful for this information. He asks them to do a little bit more intel gathering, and once Shaul feels confident that he knows exactly where David is, Shaul succeeds uh, in, uh, in then going and locating and finding and, and tracking down David. And he, he gives chase to David, and, uh, and using the intel from the people of Ziph, he's able to close in on him, and he's, he's really he's inching nearer, nearer, nearer. They're running around one mountain. Then Shaul outmaneuvers David, and he's about to catch him. And what happens? A messenger, perhaps an angel, tells Shaul that the Plishtim are raiding the land. That we can imagine Shaul has gathered such a large force that there's nobody guarding the land anymore. That's exposed the people to the Plishtim, and now <clears throat> the uh, Plishtim are raiding 
the rest of the of the rest of the nation. As a reader, we are once again at the at the edge of our seat because we want to know: Is Shaul going to continue his own? Uh, his own crusade against David? Is he going to continue his own personal uh, uh, mission to catch David and do that at the expense of the entire nation? Or will he do the right thing? And will he take all the forces and go and, and defend the broader interests of the country against the Plishtim? And happily, Shaul once again surprises us in this perek. He lets David go in favor of the need, uh, the, the national need uh, to fight the Plishtim. This place where uh, David is quite nearly captured by Shaul is called Sela Hamachlakot, the Stone of Divisions. And Rashi says that this is—it's called this because David's, excuse me, that Shaul's heart was divided between pursuing David in this moment and pursuing the Plishtim. Perhaps along similar lines, we can say that this is the place that divides where Shaul is willing to go the measures he's willing to take in order to settle this personal score with David, and where even Shaul uh, will say, you know, that's too far. That's a bridge too far. That's beyond what I'm willing to do. This is that dividing line between uh, Shaul's kind of uh, complete uh, devotion, singular focus on, on catching David, uh, and where, you know, it goes too far, and, he, and even he will snap back and he will take into account the needs of the nation and not only his personal sense of insecurity and fear. It's important to recognize as we reflect on this parak that we have two times here where David is betrayed by local populations. You have the people of Ke'ilah who David has saved and he finds out from the Urim Vitumim that they nonetheless would give David over to Shaul, uh, given the opportunity or given the need, if Shaul would arrive with his army, so that's that's one kind of uh, uh, kind of betrayal. It, it doesn't happen, but it's a it's a uh, a foreseen betrayal. And then the people of Ziph, who do ha- hand over David to Shaul. And what's important here is that both of these instances are uh, people who are from um, the tribe of Yehuda. Both of these people, the people of Ziph and Kilar in the tribe of Yehuda, who should be David's natural allies, as David is from the tribe of Yehuda. And so this Perek, though it, it has some great successes for David, is, is probably a, a very dispiriting chapter in David's life, as he, as he recognizes that despite his former popularity, now still people favor Shaul over David. Now, people are likely driven by fear. It doesn't mean that they actually prefer Shaul over David. But nonetheless, it's two instances where, where David sees that the population is still supporting Shaul. It's an interesting insight that we have there. Nonetheless, it's also a, a parak that gives us two instances where we are concerned that Shaul is going to do something really terrible, either repeat the massacre of Nov by, by bringing out his wrath uh, on the people of Ke'ilah, uh, or a gross misuse of power at the expense of the entire nation, pursuing David rather than going to fight off the Plishtim. And in both instances, Shoal avoids uh, this pitfall. So he avoids a kind of rock bottom in this parak, which is uh, which is positive. I think it's it might be uh, meant to give us a, more of a, symp- a sympathetic feeling. It certainly does give us a little bit more of a sympathetic feeling uh, towards Shaul, which I think sets us up uh, in an important way for next parak. More on that tomorrow. That's it for today. Chazak ve'amatz and happy learning.